0: You're listening to a sermon from crccooliman.org. Anyone seen the new Men in Black movie that's out at the cinemas? One person. Most people look very disinterested. You don't look like you're going to run out and see it. So when I spoil it right now, you're not going to get angry at me, are you? If you are intending on seeing it, right now is a good time to block your ears. (laughs) The teenagers down the back there are like, yeah. Uh, so, Men in Black International, it's, it's the sort of a, a, a rerun of the old Men in Black series from the 90s or somewhere. And we have special agents who keep the world safe from alien forces. And in Men in Black International, we have Agent H. And he is famous, infamous even, for having beat an alien race called the Hive. And the line he and others keep repeating throughout the movie is that I saved the world with nothing more than a series 7 deatomizer and my wits. Agent H can't actually remember how he saved the world and beat the hive the first time. He just keeps repeating this same line about it being uh, using his wits and the laser gun. Of course, that's because the hive was never actually defeated in the first place. The hive actually took over the body of his boss, the head of the agency, then wiped Agent H's mind, planting in his memory the false thought that he had indeed beaten the hive on his skill and wits alone. And although throughout the movie it's suspected that there is a mole in the agency conspiring against them, no one suspects that the mole is actually the boss, Agent High T, who is possessed by the evil alien life force and is working against them. Now the thing for us is in our world things aren't actually what they seem. There are unseen forces at work just like in Men in Black International. Evil ones that influence and distort and corrupt and seek to control the destiny of this planet. Forces we cannot see. Forces that wield great power. And uh, we think we're in control, but often we do not realize that we are being controlled. And it might sound like I'm talking right now about a plot from a Hollywood movie. But you know what? It's what the Bible says. Paul, a follower of Jesus, wrote about it in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There is a spiritual aspect to everything around us, good and evil. There is a struggle against unseen evil forces, spiritual, non-physical authorities and powers that are evil and bring chaos to life. We're continuing today our series on the authority of Jesus. It's been a couple of weeks. We had uh, week one a, a few weeks ago. And here in week two, we're, we're, we're looking at the authority of Jesus, the kingdom of God in action once more and last time we talked about Jesus coming and showing us a new way of living life and being human a new teaching about the kingdom of God he comes bringing a final word on what is good and true and he comes to set things right and we looked at the authority of Jesus today we're going to look at the authority that Jesus has over evil And we need to start there. Before we get to the authority that Jesus has over sin and sickness and and death and and over us, we we need to get this issue of evil sorted out first. And so today we're going to have a bit of a look at how we all battle with evil and spiritual forces and and powers. We're going to have a look at what, what did Jesus say about these evil powers? We're going to think about, well, what does God say to us? About evil and then what should we the church his people actually do about evil I don't need to convince you that uh, evil is a problem in our world do I when you look around you s- we see evidence of evil everywhere violence human trafficking exploitation greed corruption war When I was putting this sermon together, I I thought, oh, let's just have a quick look at my ABC News app. Let's see what evidence of evil we have in the world on my my news app. It wasn't very hard to find. Uh, I just pulled off the the top, you know, five or six stories. Uh, Killer jailed for shooting a man, then hiding body in wheelie bin. Victims react to MH17 murder charge announcement. Chris Dawson pleads not guilty to wife's murder. Uh, Just 30 seconds left me fearful for months. A crocodile, the Russian flesh-eating street drug, is in Australia. And finally, the ABC presenter, Iranis Saranik's early childhood ended when bombs destroyed her family home. You don't need persuasion to know that there's evil in this world, do you? There's also evil in our own life. Uh, And and for many of us, it's far less headline-worthy, isn't it? but it's still incredibly difficult, life draining and debilitating. And it really does rob us from all that God would have for us. Evil is not always what we think it is. Evil often hides as rather simple or commonplace things. Things like apathy. You know that whatever, I don't care, drifting through life selfishness or self-seeking, self-pleasuring, self-promoting behaviours? What about discouragement, hopelessness, fear, feeling worthless, useless, feeling defeated before you've even begun, beaten before you started? Thoughts that attack your identity and your capability? thoughts that that rob us of the beauty and joy that God has for us and his good creation and our role as stewards in it. I wonder, what does evil look like for you? What does it look like in your life? What causes it? How can we beat it? Sometimes we avoid talking about this stuff, don't we? Like, because we don't want to be over-spiritualizing things. Because, you know, some Christians, they're prone to seeing demons under every door, aren't they? Blaming the devil for stuff that was actually just their dodgy doing. Their own sin or the sin of others. And often the devil becomes the doormat or the doorway to everything in life that is going wrong. And for some people, the devil becomes more significant in their life than Jesus is. You know, I, I get concerned when when I hear Christians or when I hear teaching and, and talking and thinking and praying about more about the devil's work in their life than about Jesus' work in their life. It, it's, it's like putting the devil on the throne instead of Jesus. And I get concerned when I hear things like that. I used to be friends with uh, a, a fella who um, every time he was having a bad day, he'd say, oh... I'm Under spiritual attack I don't know maybe he was maybe he just needed more exercise and a little bit more sunlight in his life. I don't know you know However, you know the opposite extreme of all that, the opposite extreme of all of that is is never acknowledging or never understanding the role of unseen evil forces never acknowledging the role that Satan has in our chaos and in in the, the chaos in this world you know we wonder why we never make progress in our life or in our inner world we, we wonder why the same news headlines keep coming up in our news app you know there's more going on in this world than what a government service will fix than what counselling and psychiatric drugs are gonna fix. More going on than what drug rehab's gonna fix, than what the prison system will fix, than what laws and money and education and people can fix. We need to be cluey and aware and discerning about the role that spiritual oppression plays in this world and in our lives. Do you agree? Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against unseen spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Let's, 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 think about, let's think about it like this. Imagine you have a glass. And I could do an object lesson, but it's full of water, so I won't. But imagine you have a glass, and it, and it falls off the, the table and breaks. Now, now, what caused the glass to break? Was it because it was fragile glass? Was it the fact that someone knocked it off the table? Was it the unseen forces of gravity acting upon the glass and causing it to hit the ground at speed? What about an apple going brown, an apple oxidizing? Why, why does it go brown? I, is it because someone cut open the apple? is it because of the naturally occurring compounds in in the apple is it because of the unseen forces of oxygen in the air acting upon the cut apple what is it the chaos and the evil we all face is part us our sin our poor choices our personal brokenness part others their sin their choices that injure or damage us, and part unseen spiritual forces of evil that wage war against us. And each of these things are at work in the way in, in, in the way things work in our world. So so h- how do we stop the glass breaking, or how do we stop the apple going brown? Do we do we stop the unseen forces of gravity acting upon it? Or do we stop the unseen forces of oxygen acting upon it? I mean, those two options sound hard, don't they? If we said, like, stop gravity, you'd be like, no, it's impossible. If we said stop oxygen, well, how do we do that? It it seems easier to deal with, uh, you know, stopping the apple getting cut in the first place or or stopping someone knocking the glass off in the first place than to deal with those unseen forces. And in, in, in in relation to apples and glasses, well, it is, isn't it? But I've got good news for you, in relation to unseen forces of the spiritual world, the the exciting thing is, is they're actually quite easy to deal with. Why? Authority. Authority. You get a hold of this concept of authority, and evil is suddenly not a big, scary, overwhelming force. Jesus is the one with authority, and the gospel of Mark shows him demonstrating this authority over impure or evil spirits. So let's turn to Mark, and we're working through uh, parts of Mark in our series on authority. So turn to Mark chapter 1, Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 28. Mark 1, 21. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, what is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. What is the first and in many instances really the only thing we need to know about evil? Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger. Let's have a look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter three twenty two to twenty seven, and the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, "He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons." So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. Jesus is stronger than the strong man. If you take away nothing else today than that, Jesus is stronger than the strong man. Jesus is stronger than the strong man. Verse 27 there. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Imagine you have a mighty, strong, uh, powerful man thinking maybe bikey dude. All right, you've got an image of a bike in your head right now. Yeah, strong and, and muscly, also has great social power and great influence. Someone to be feared, right? He's threatening, he's intimidating, he could kill you. Now no one in their right mind is going to go in and rob this gang member's house and take his, his bike and his 150 inch flat screen 3D plasma TV uh, uh, while he's in the house, are they? You're not going to do that unless unless you can subdue the bikey, unless you can subdue him, tie him up, make him powerless, bind him, muzzle him. And to subdue the bikey, to tie him up, you've got to be stronger than him, don't you? You have to be stronger than this six-foot leather-wearing tattooed muscle man. But if you can subdue him, if you can tie him up, you can walk in and calmly carry out any any of his possessions and he'll be powerless to stop you so in this parable Satan is the strong man right Satan is the strong man and Jesus is the one who ties him up he binds the strong man he then walks on into the strong man's house which is the world and takes Satan's possessions who or what are the uh, Satan's possessions that Jesus is taking? Us, people, you, me. The only way Jesus can do this is by being stronger than the strong man. Jesus comes into the world as one who binds the strong man, ties him up, takes away his power and his liberty. He puts a muzzle on Satan. He comes to defeat the kingdom of Satan and establish the kingdom of God. Luke 4.18, Jesus talks about, He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. He has sent me to tie up the strong man and announce freedom for all who were in possession of the strong man. And Jesus enters the world and by his death at the cross and then his resurrection, he is tying up the strong man. He's taking away his power over people and over this world. And it's like Jesus is, you know, just walking into the strong man's house, into Satan's territory and saying, These are my people. These are my possessions and they belong to me and I'm taking them out of your prison. I'm setting my people free. And there's nothing the strong man can do about it. Jesus is stronger than the strong man so what does that mean for us well we've got to stop thinking we're playing on the weak team you know because you've got Jesus playing on your team on the 12th of June just recently did anyone catch the headlines about the American women's soccer team who played at Thailand in the world cup the soccer world cup They thrashed them, like like world record sort of thrashing. It was 13 goals to nil. It was a humiliating wipeout of the Thai women's soccer team. You know what? We often think we're on Team Thai, but we're on Team America when it comes to spiritual warfare. And Jesus, Jesus will kick down any door in your life and he will rescue you he will rescue your children he will rescue your spouse he will rescue your friend he will rescue everyone he is stronger than any stronghold or strong man in your life and so whatever you've got going on for you in your past in your present in your future like like we've got to believe we've got to understand that jesus is stronger than this stuff Do you believe that, that Jesus is stronger than that stuff? Jesus is stronger than the strong man? I was talking uh, several weeks ago with a man, and I'll call him Terry, that's not his real name, but I I don't want to use his real name, who first used drugs as a child. And um, he said to me, you know, he never used to believe in love. He used to ridicule others for being in love or for getting married or for being kind or compassionate because he didn't believe in love. He said, it wasn't real. It doesn't exist. And, and this guy, Terry, he's, he's led one rough, tough, uh, quite frankly, evil kind of life. And then one day, one day this guy, he, he tasted love. He experienced God's love. And, and he, he said, And I, I now believe in love. And he says, you know, it, it's his love is better than any drug. And I tell you what, well, this guy's an expert on drugs. Like he knows drugs. He spent his lifetime not just taking drugs, but manufacturing and dealing drugs. And, and he now wants to stay off drugs. Because the taste of the love of God is so much more captivating than any drug that he's experienced in his life. The love of Jesus is stronger and more appealing than the strong man. You know, God is, is more desirable and a more compelling force in a person's life than evil ever tried to be. Don't ever think that we are playing on the least appealing team. We're playing on Team America. Don't think that the words of the enemy are more powerful in your life than the words of our God who is love. You know, whatever unrighteous desires rule you, Jesus is stronger. I don't know what might be ruling you today and holding you captive today, but Jesus is stronger. I don't know what is ruling your spouse today, but Jesus is stronger. Whatever unrighteous desires, rule your loved ones. Jesus is stronger. Whatever you are battling right now, Jesus is stronger. Jesus is stronger than the strong man. Now, here's the crazy thing. I mean, it's good to know that, isn't it? That's good news right there. Here's the crazy thing he gives you that same authority he gives you the same authority mark chapter 3 13 mark 3:13 to 15 Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. What about chapter 6? Mark 6, verse 7. Calling the 12 to him, he began to send them out two by two and gave them authority Over impure spirits. They went out and preached that many people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed with oil many people who were ill and healed them. It's a pretty crazy assignment, don't you think? Do you ever think about that? That Jesus has given you the authority over evil forces in this world? I mean, if you spend even a moment thinking about that, the the first thing you're probably going to think is, really? (laughs) Me? Will it work? Do I really have power over evil? Like, I'm just human. I'm an ordinary person. I think about myself, and, you know, I'm a bit of a pushover, if truth be told. Like, I I give in. I do. I do. I take the easy road like I'm a parent like what's the the number one rule when you're a parent pick your battles pick your battles and you know what I try to avoid picking battles (laughs) I'm happy to pick no battles none like I, I see those bad guys in superhero movies I can't fight them I can't fight those evil forces I'm not flexible enough for a start like, you see those backflips they make? Like, like, and I don't have big muscles, and, and I can't fly. I can hardly jump. I mean, you should have seen me high school high jump. It was humiliating. <laughs> I'm just so average as a person, and, and, you know, physically, probably a bit below average, if the truth be told. I'm not a superhero. I'm not from another planet. I didn't get bitten by a spider. I've been bitten by a mosquito, but I'm pretty sure mosquitoes don't give you superpowers. Like, like, what do I actually have that allows me to tell evil where to go? What do I actually have that, that allows me to enter the house of the strongman, bikey dude and take his stuff? All I have is Jesus' word. He said I can. that enough he said as my disciple you have authority over evil spirits How, how do we go from from taking his word and his promise to us you know you have authority and actually doing it Actually taking authority over evil in, in, in our own life or in the lives of others. Actually making a difference with this. How do we get from you can to I am? Do you know what the key thing is? It's not going to surprise you when I say this This word. You ready? Faith. Yeah, You knew I was going to say that, didn't you? Hey? <laughs> Faith. Why, why is faith so important? Why is it so important? Well, it makes you stronger. It makes you stronger. Think about a diseased tree or a diseased plant that's been attacked by insects and pests. In its weakened state it sort of seems to attract more pests and diseases than a healthy tree would. A healthy tree is more likely to survive an insect attack than an unhealthy one. Now. Would you try and go about picking off every single little aphid or bug from a diseased tree? Pretty time-consuming and probably a bit crazy to do that, wouldn't it? I mean, what do you do instead? You promote the health of the tree, don't you? Water it, fertilize it, tend it, care for it, nourish it, build up its health. Because a healthy tree is going to naturally fight off those pests, isn't it? A weakened faith is more susceptible to spiritual attack. And as we promote spiritual health in our life, as we build our faith, we will be able to fight off spiritual attack and not be so susceptible to it. What does the Bible actually say about the connection between faith and and freedom? Let's have a look again in Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know about it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he heard as soon as she heard about it, a woman whose daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was Greek, born in a Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. So this lady, she's, she's a bit out of Jesus' job description because she's she's Greek not Jewish, but she knows that Jesus can help, so she goes to him. She believed in his power to set her daughter free. And, you know, the act of this lady reaching out to Jesus for for healing is is enough to see the demons flee. I mean, that's how big Jesus is. He doesn't even have to be in the room. He doesn't have to use the usual formula of, you know, be quiet, I bind you, come out. Uh, uh, He just says that the demons left because of her reply and what was it about her reply that was so special showed faith she showed faith Her, her belief that jesus could and would do this for her daughter that he did have the authority to see her daughter freed from this demon so great was her belief and her trust in jesus's authority that she overstepped all of the usual social cultural norms to come and see him what about the story in chapter 9, verse 14? So we won't read the whole bit, but let's, let's just read from verse 17. We've got the story of a, a man whose son is possessed by an evil spirit and they've, they've taken him to the disciples, but the disciples haven't, haven't been able to have any success. And we'll pick up from verse 17. A man in the crown answered, Teacher, I bought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes at his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. This dad wants to help his boy and he asked the disciples, but they couldn't do it. He approaches Jesus and he says, If you can do anything take pity on us help us and Jesus says well of course i can anything is is possible for those who believe and the the dad answers i do believe i do believe help me overcome my unbelief i mean that right there is like my favorite prayer statement <laughs> in the whole bible i do believe lord help me overcome my unbelief <laughs> But it's all about faith, trust, belief in the, the power of Jesus to overcome. That's what's needed. And it seems to me that it's not, just the, it's not so much about the faith of the person being delivered or even the faith of the one asking on behalf of the person who needs deliverance. We've gotten these two stories, two parents ask on behalf of their child. One shows great faith, the other shows, well, not so great faith. In the cases of the oppressed person, there, there is just Jesus. Um, so early on when we see just a, a presentation of demonic spirits, say in the temple, the synagogue, and um, Jesus just acts because they, they present themselves. And so in all of these cases, it's the, the faith of the person receiving deliverance doesn't seem to be all that important. What is important is the faith of the one who's taking authority over the spirit and telling it where to go and Jesus knows his authority. Jesus trusts in the power of the Father. He has great faith and Jesus taps into that heavenly power source. What is it about Jesus that gives him the ability to do that, to tap into that heavenly power source, to have that great faith, that great authority? Well, here's the other word you're probably going to expect me to say. I've said the faith word. You know what I'm going to say now? The prayer word, prayer, prayer. Really, the Christian life doesn't boil down to too many complicated things. You've just got to have faith and pray a lot and you, you'll be fine, all right? I could preach like a thousand different sermons and the, uh, the, the application is always going to be the same, guys. It's, it's going to be faith, prayer, and faith, prayer. and Read the word a bit as well and you'll be fine. Anyway, so prayer, Jesus was a man of prayer. Uh, verse 135, verse 135. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house. Did he go and get uh, like a takeaway coffee from the drive through coffee shop? Uh-uh. What did he do? Went off to a solitary place where he prayed, where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That's why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Jesus was a man of prayer and faith and prayer, they always go hand in hand. They always go hand in hand. If we were to think just for a moment back to that Story we just read of, of the deliverance of the boy. You know the disciples couldn't do it, but Jesus could. And after Jesus finished delivering the boy, his disciples kind of pull him aside and have a bit of a debrief session with him about what went wrong with their ministry, why they couldn't uh, drive the demon out of the boy. And, and this is what this is what they say: Mark nine twenty eight. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, "Why couldn't we drive it out?" He replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Well, Mine just says prayer. Maybe one of the other Gospels adds fasting. What does he tell the disciples about why they couldn't cast the demon out? Prayer. What does he mean by this? Because if you, you look at that deliverance session there, Jesus doesn't actually pray at the time, does he? He doesn't say, oh Lord God Almighty, please, if it's in your will, would you just um, uh, remove this demon from this boy and bring healing? Thank you, Father. Like, he doesn't actually pray at the time. He commands, doesn't he? Come out of him and never enter him again. Every time Jesus delivers someone of a demon, he's not praying, he's commanding. So what does he mean when he says this kind can only come out by prayer? I think what it means is we need a lifestyle of prayer. We need a lifestyle of intimacy with the Father. It's the quality of Jesus' intimate prayer life with his Father that builds his faith, that sees him knowing his authority and power. Jesus was a man of prayer, and, and it's this prayer life that builds capacity to see people set free from all kinds of evil, even the really, really strong ones. Here's the application for us. If you want power in your daily life and ministry, you need big faith. And big faith grows through prayer. It's that simple. Intimacy with the Father is what enabled Jesus, and and intimacy with the Father is what will enable you to have faith, to take authority over evil in this world. I don't have superpowers. You don't have superpowers but we do have prayer. And prayer grows faith. You know, who here has a smartphone? I'm thinking pretty much every hand is going to go up. Yeah. So you, you put it on the charger to charge each night, don't you? Yeah? Like you know that your phone needs power, otherwise it won't do what it's supposed to do. It will go flat. It'll be useless. Next to my bed, I've got this magnificent big power board with lots of usb charger plugs and things and i plug in my like my galaxy s5 my samsung tablet my bluetooth headphones my little vaporizer diffuser thing but all of them are useless if i don't plug them in and charge them they go flat with use and they need to be charged every single day prayer charges your faith you don't, you don't get a one-time impartation of faith when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. You've got to keep charging it up. And if you want to take authority over evil in your life and in the life of others, you, you've got to charge your faith. Do you want to do what you're capable of doing? Who he wants to do what they're capable of doing? You need faith to do that. And you need to charge your faith daily. Because if you don't have faith, do you know what you're going to have in its place? Fear. And we're going to have a bit more of a look at the concept of fear uh, towards the end of this series when we we look at the authority that Jesus has in us. But the, the key for us today is that prayer builds faith and faith builds authority. So Jesus gives us the same assignment he had. Free this world from the powers of evil that come to steal and kill and destroy. Be the voice of freedom in your world. You can take authority over this in your life and in the life of others. And so if you've got the faith part down pat, then the process is not hard. And you see there in Mark, Mark 123. Mark 123. Just then a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. If you've got the faith part down pat, the actual process isn't hard. If evil presents itself... Just tell it to shut up and go to hell, pretty much, don't you? Huh? Am I allowed to say that? That's what Jesus said. That's the message translation. <laughs> you know? Be quiet. Stop in Jesus' name. You have no authority over me. I belong to Jesus. And I tell you, evil spirit, to go and never come back. There's more to say on that, but I'm not going to say it here. And now, but what I will say is, I've got some great training I want to run on deliverance ministry. Uh, so, if, if you want to be part of that, let me know, and we'll organise a time that suits. But this is this is some stuff that we need to make sure we're we're, we're confident in, in in an appropriate and healthy way. Okay, so I've got some some ministry training that I would like to run on that. Uh, there are some great online video resources that are also quite helpful for you. I've also got a bit of a tip sheet here for you on discerning the voice of evil in your life. Uh, Truth be told, this was actually part of the sermon, but you'll be glad I cut it and just put it on printout instead. (laughs) Okay. Um, I might actually hand these around. And you can grab one if you like. Just while I finish up. So we've got a tip sheet on discerning evil. It's got some suggested resources, some online video resources you might find helpful there. And we've also got some uh, biblical affirmations. These are your faith builders. If, this is, you know, if you need a bit of a nudge in the area of faith, then these, these will help you. So just feel free to grab one if you'd like and pass them along. So just, just to wrap it all up for you. In this world, we all battle with evil. It's, it, it'll happen. It's there. It's a, it's a given. And that's because there are unseen spiritual forces at work in our world. There are other things, of course, at work like sin and, and brokenness too. And we shouldn't obsess and think only about spiritual oppression as, as our, the cause of all of our problems and chaos, but neither should we ignore it. Jesus has authority over these spiritual powers. He is stronger than the strong man. And where the devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, Jesus comes that we might have life in abundance. He comes to set the captives free from the enemy. And Jesus gives you authority over the enemy too. And when we doubt this, what do we do? We stir up our faith through prayer. So I say to you all this week, charge your faith every day plug in charge your faith for most of you you, you probably know what you need to do to do that you just got to set aside time to do it if you're not doing it but if you want to have a chat about the best way to charge your faith make a time to see me i would love to sit and talk about faith charging with you how exciting so if you need a few tips if you need a bit of a prompt come and see me okay Um, you you might like to use those sheets to do this week, a little bit of a spiritual inventory on yourself. Set aside some time and have a think. Hey, uh, you know, some of this stuff I'm dealing with, is, is there some spiritual causes happening here? And I've got a few, you know, little questions and tips there for you to have a bit of a think about. Again, if you want to come and see me to talk through this stuff, make a time to come and see me. I guess the only other thing I would say is if you need prayer, come and get prayer. You don't have to deal with this stuff on your own. You don't have to allow this stuff to to rob from you. And if if you're sitting there and you're, you're feeling a little bit like, oh, maybe I need prayer, but maybe I don't. Maybe I do want to deal with this, maybe I don't. Just take a gamble and get prayer like it doesn 't actually hurt, and you might actually find that it helps all right and and I know it 's hard. look, I can remember a situation I was in quite a few years ago in a bible study group and 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 i was I was rocking a bit of a rough time and, and I desperately wanted someone to know about it and I desperately wanted prayer and freedom and and thankfully for me the the pastor was leading the the Bible study group kind of noticed and said, do you need prayer? And and they just stopped and prayed for me then and there. And um, And certainly there was some spiritual stuff going on for me at that time. But how free I felt after that. So if you're battling with this stuff, hey, you know, you're not alone. We understand. We get it. So please don't battle on your own. We would love to stand with you and see Jesus bring freedom into your life. Let's pray. Jesus we declare that you are lord over all things in this earth all things in heaven and on earth belong to you Jesus and we know that we belong to you and we thank you that that you have the final word and the final say on everything that happens to us And we thank you that you uh, come with your loving authority, your rule and reign, and that you bring freedom into our life from everything that hinders or afflicts or stops us living the life you would have for us. Jesus, we repent of of, of our our selfishness and and our uh, desire to do things alone and, and, and ourself. And Jesus, we just uh, consecrate ourselves afresh to you. We, we, we offer our, our bodies, our minds, ourselves to you afresh. Because we declare that we belong to you, Jesus. So Jesus, come and take authority over those, those areas in our life that need your authority and need your touch. Come and bring freedom and healing and restoration Lord Jesus and may we just be built up in our faith may we just know as we know as we know your authority and your gift of authority to us that we might come and and, and minister freedom and healing to people in this world stir our faith God stir our faith father Grow and build and equip us to be people who minister the healing, freedom and power of Jesus in every day. We thank you for your good gifts. We thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit that is at work in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.